Hey everyone, welcome back to A Word with Lyo. I am your host, Titi, your hostess with the mostest. And uh, I am so excited to do today's episode. I'm sure if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that the world's in a lot of turmoil. Yes, we mean Russia and Ukraine, folks. And who else than my friend and former colleague, as well as European expert extraordinaire, and uh, all-around cool guy, give it up, y'all, for Mark Messi. What up, Mark? Yes. Hey, Chi-Chi. Thanks for having me. Yo, I'm I'm happy that you are joining this episode because of all the people who understand the nuances of this issue, as well as, you know, you, you studied, you know, European politics and you also lived abroad, correct? Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. So you definitely have a, a pretty good sense of this, um, you know, not only through your academic studies, but also through you know, here our work as international affairs, you know, professionals and things like that. So um, I think this is like, this is so timely and we have to talk about it now because it's literally like changing every hour, right? So I think the best way to discuss what's happening now is to go back a little bit in history. Let's say mm, 31, 32 years ago, right? You have, you know, the fall of the Berlin Wall in 89 and then the official uh, you know, dissolving of the Soviet Union in 1990. And, mm-hmm. you know, now we have all these different countries, right? And they're back Absolutely. to their former glory and having their independence and having a good time and everyone's happy. But they're not. There's someone who isn't happy. And who is that person? You guessed it. Mr. <laughs> Presidente Vladimir, a.k.a. Vladdy Daddy Putin. Not very happy um, about the Soviet Union uh, falling. And you know, he looked at it as an embarrassment, as a lot of hardliners in Russia did. Uh, not only did the union fall, but it fell because of the efforts of, you guessed it, the United States of America. And so here we are in 2022 with a situation in which Russia is, I think, trying to, you know, regain their former glory, including their former territories. And so I think, you know, from the Soviet Union falling, we have the ascension of Putin in 1989. And so, you mm-hmm. know, if you want to speak more to that, you know, that'd be great. Well, I think so. So, yeah, you're right, TT. We, we do need some history to begin. But I think the first point is, um, yeah, 1999. I think that's when the trouble started, when uh, Boris Yeltsin, you know, stepped down and selected Vladimir Putin, who was his prime minister at the time, uh, to succeed him. And, uh, you know, Putin at that time was someone who was not really known. Um, you know, he in some ways seemed more progressive, uh, really leaned into the media to capture that image. Um, he also, however, worked pretty quickly to consolidate power after his inauguration. Um, right. I think it's worth mentioning that during uh, President Clinton's first visit to, well, now President Putin, in which afterwards he also visited Yeltsin, he basically told Yeltsin that, you know, you need to watch Putin. Like, you know, I'm concerned about this man. And, uh, you know, quote, he does not have democracy in his heart. Mm. And so, you know, point two then, and uh, this is going on the whole background uh, uh, lineage, but, you know, shortly after his inauguration, um, when Putin went after the Chechen separatists in uh, Beslan, for example, 
Right. Uh, it's it's a case where you know separatists took young children hostage and brought in the military. Well, he he used the military instead of backing down like perhaps he should have in context. Right. And you know many children died, but his reaction afterwards was blaming the outcome on other factions, including, as you said, the meddling of the U.S. Right. And so that's also where then you have him, um, I think, begin to restrict more civil liberties at home. Um, so three. almost like he's. <clears throat> wolf in sheep's clothing, right? He came in as like this yes. benevolent, like, hey, I'm here to continue the progression of Russia. But meanwhile, he was like, nah, we gotta go backwards. We gotta get back to our former glory, because this ain't it. Absolutely. Um, you know, in point three, and uh, you might, but uh, Putin's background in the KGB apparatus and uh, mm-hmm. counterintelligence and his subsequent running of the FSB, uh, you know, his view of wanting to reinstate some of the Russian glory of years past. I mean, the man even played the the former Soviet anthem at his presidential parade, if I'm correct. Um, (laughs) I know, I know. And, and, you know, what Putin held and hangs on to is that um, the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical catastrophe and embarrassment to Russia ever, at least in his view. Right. Um, and uh, I guess two more points here, but point four would be um, another big thing worth mentioning is that Putin does not like what he sees as U.S. military political overreach. Um, right. You can take a rock, right? Putin saw what was happening and was paranoid, thinking, oh, it's going to be my turn at some point, um, you know, being overthrown by his people. And he was worried, especially then considering um, uh, Georgia, Kyrgyzstan, some of these former Soviet satellite states. and Right. The ones that and, are the closest to yes, know, Russia. And his, yeah. Yes, and his ambitions for them. And, you know, you even further from that, when you when the Arab Spring breaks out, right, apparently Putin saw this and was ever more convinced that this was the result of American interference in another country to promote Western democracy. Right. Well, uh, and, and let's not forget the protest in uh, Maidan Square, where, again, Putin is outraged that these are breaking out. Um, especially during the Sochi Olympics, you know, a time when yes. Russia's image is on the global stage. Um, and so no surprise that he, of course, sees Maidan as another Western-backed demonstration. And also keep in mind that Ukrainians, right, are showing that they want to lean more pro-Europe, less Russian, and Putin cannot stand that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I guess my last big point is, uh, that I'll add is his attitude towards the West, but especially the U.S., given Ukraine, was one of, you know, I'm done playing nice. And so... This is when you have Russia really coming at the U.S. And we see this during the 2016 election. Right. Um, and in his view, right, he was evening the score by doing his own uh, interference and meddling in another country. And and what bigger prize than to do it to the U.S.? Oh, absolutely. It's like the U.S. is the, the golden goose, you know, Ex- if, you're able yes. to bring us to, if you're able to bring the U.S. to its knees, like you really are showing that you are capable of doing quite a bit of damage. Yes. And, and, you know, so overall, when, when you look at Putin's cementing of expanded powers, his work in the KGB, his vision of Russia, suspicions of the U.S. and the West, they all come to morph into this perfect storm that we see illustrated in his actions now. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> there's so much of this, you know, web that has been weaved in terms of, like, how this has come to be. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people that I've spoken to in the last couple of days. And mind you, not all of them are in international affairs and foreign policy. So I don't expect them to have the nuanced take. 
but a lot of people were surprised that he did this. And I found that to be kind of interesting because if we remember, what is it, about eight years ago, around the same time, it actually was February 21st, 2014, Russian troops moved in on Crimea. And mm-hmm. Crimea is a, a place that is strategic in that all the shipping lanes that go through that that go through goes through that area right and so having Mm -hmm. that control having the control of that choke point is very valuable it's another way of russia to exert its its power in a way that can affect our bottom line as well as other western countries bottom line and that is probably the best point in recent history to point at how this was going to happen i mean what's that stupid ass saying it's like you give a mouse a cookie or whatever they come for the whole bag or yes yes whatever that is i mean that's literally what that was you know they they russia decided in 2014 on february 21st that we're gonna see how the world reacts when we do decide to take a piece of land we'll take a piece this time though not the whole country we'll take a piece and the world responded you know outrage sanction blah 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 but more or less nothing has happened it's still annexed and it's still part of russia like almost 10 years later and so that had to embolden putin oh that that had to to see that even the united states wasn't really going to do much besides you know their hardline talks and things like that he's like oh i I come back later and do the rest of this you know this has been on his mind for like we said for, for since the fall of the soviet union like this was someone that came from the KGB. This is someone who was, I mean, Soviet Union pride. And he will not allow the story of Russia to be that somehow the Western powers were able to, you know, infiltrate it and manipulate it into their own thing. No, 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 no. This is oh, no. motherfucking Russia. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't know about you, but was it Thursday or when? I can't remember which day where Putin addressed, you know, the world and basically said, interfere and see what happens i mean that sent chills down my spine because oh yeah they aren't afraid in regards to any consequence that comes from their actions they have clearly thought about this and have weighed the pros and cons and have decided that we are going forth with this meaning there's something we may not know about the capabilities that russia has right now which is scary absolutely and and you know if you consider that uh, for a more indirect take, that China has a stake in Russia. Like I, I know a thousand you know percent. And, China and has a stake China, in how all of this is going to work out. And, yeah, and that China is a major player to confront economically, obviously. But you know, this makes Putin a little bit more capable in, in that regard. And we all know that meeting. <laughs> that meeting. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We kind of called this a few weeks ago um, <clears throat> about that meeting and how. It was an interesting time for it to happen, right? You know, we've noticed that mm-hmm. Russia and China have been cozying up with each other. And I guess let me give a, a brief background on the Russia-China uh, relationship and why this possibly ties into Ukraine and Russia. Even if this is just hypothesis, this is kind of what mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, the establishment of the People's Republic of China was 1949, October 1st. Uh, you know, they officially established, established themselves as a, a as a communist state, driving out the KMT to Taiwan, right? That's why we have this Taiwan issue, because that government was legitimately the government of China before 1949. Anyway, so of course, their friendly red communist brother up north, Russia, was really kind of taking them under their wing and, and showing them how to kind of be a communist nation. You know, a lot of... Um, 
you know, Chinese leaders and scholars actually were educated in Moscow and St. Petersburg and things like that, like really understanding kind of the Stalinist way of running their country. Um, and so that relationship was actually pretty tight until there was a point in where it no longer was tight, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Mao kind of said some some things, you know, Mao Zedong, chairman of the Communist Party, he said some things about Russia, you know, and then you had the secret speech by Khrushchev and basically like the writing was on the wall that China is clearly little brother and they do not have the might that it takes to fight Russia. And so yeah. through different diplomatic channels, China and the United States began talking and establishing relationships. And we finally decided that they are China and not Taiwan. And, you know, there was a lot of things that came from that. Um, you know, China has developed exponentially since then, you know, under Deng Xiaoping's leadership, you know, the economic opening uh, of China came to be and they are the powerhouse they have been, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. now that they are kind of rekindling this close relationship, China's not little brother anymore. China is kind of big brother at this point. They're the number two economy in the world. Where they were when they became the PRC and where they are now and then how that relationship with Russia has changed over time. China has a lot of clout. So this is more of a partnership of a situation than mm-hmm. it being like, I'm protecting you from X, Y, and Z, but we need favors kind of thing. And so that meeting at the Olympics was a, I got your back if you got my back meeting. That's what I think, right? Mm-hmm. It came out mm-hmm. that joint statement saying Western powers, blah, 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 don't interfere with our lives. But they're talking to us. Like, I mean, like, who else are they talking to? Who else? Who else has the reach? <laughs> yeah. Like, I wish they would just, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to say something, drop that, drop, you know, put the at, you know what I mean? Like, at us, okay? Like, on Twitter type shit. Like, don't be sitting here like, hey, everyone, watch out if you want to come through. Say, hey, United States, we see you. We ain't, we ain't fucking with y'all. Just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so that meeting, I think, was a couple things. One, really reaffirming their kind of partnership in the region. They're now equals at this point. Maybe even China surpassed them, like I said. And so they understand that they are the regional hegemons in that, er- in that, in that area. Like, it's just without a doubt. More or less mm-hmm. China, but Russia's always been kind of a big player, even if they're not as advanced as us and yada, yada, yada. Like, we can't deny or dismiss Russia. I mean, look what's happening now, right? And so that mm-hmm. meeting was to reaffirm that relationship um, and then secondly, it was to talk about kind of what is happening right now. I think Putin definitely told him when he was about to do this. I think he's like, listen, the right, I'm doing this. And I think China was like, wait, the Olympics are happening. We already have our own stuff. We just don't have time for you to like invade after we just met and have this be like a thing where it looks like we're a part of this. But we do support you. I mean, China and Taiwan is another situation of an embarrassment and mm-hmm. things like that and need to consolidate and show our power. That's what happened with Hong Kong. They're really trying to consolidate their their areas now. They're like, okay, like we have the money and now we have the military. We're going to kind of like get this under control here. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I'll support you and not say anything about you invading Ukraine if you don't say anything about me invading Taiwan whenever we decide to do that. I don't think China's going to do that anytime soon the drills that we are seeing are ramping up of course but they've been ramping up for months and so it's not really that that crazy of a situation and so Mm -hmm. i think they came to an agreement of like okay we got each other's backs on our endeavors of reclaiming our glory because that's kind of like a theme for both of them it's like this idea of Mm -hmm. like something isn't right and we're taking back the things that were taken from us like that's theoretically what they, they they think and you know i just feel like this goes, you know, beyond military. I mean, look at 
like the diplomatic world like they're both members of the p5 of the security council like this is going to be very mm-hmm. interesting in how this plays out china's going to have russia's back and i don't know if you noticed at the olympics it was the autocrat welcome party and everyone had a meeting <laughs> <Yeah>. together <laughs> one of another it was like these people were down down the clown with each other they were like oh diplomatic boycott from the west psych they were out here i mean drinking all the bai joe to mm-hmm. get these deals i mean there's so much there and i'm sure there's an economic component too like china's probably, there's probably some sort of economic deal in place of like hey your sanctions are going to hit you where it hurts but we'll supplement that kind of situation with like yeah. purchasing you know natural gas or whatever you know um it's a nasty game out here and that's why it's like that's how china kind of ties in because they both want to do similar things like mm-hmm. in terms of reclaiming and taking back what they believe is theirs right um and you know it's it's an interesting time uh how this is going to pan out we're going to see the sanctions and things like that but i mean what do you think about the u.s getting involved right because we are over there um we're everywhere right but yeah so because they're not a nato country like i don't know so yeah i i was thinking uh actually from the european standpoint like to what degree will sanctions, uh, financial and asset freezes, right? You're lessening reliance on Russian gas. I'd say end, but I'm very skeptical on that. And we all know that's probably not going to happen. Right. Um, we'll have on like forcing Putin to stop his aggression sooner rather than later. Um, well, with the U.S., it's, you know, I will tell you, I'm, I'm not quite sure um, that the U.S. will be able to do a, a, a ton in this space. Uh, specific situation um i i mean look and, and it would help maybe if uh ukraine was uh, a nato member but it's not and that particularly doesn't help now um especially in the european context um so yeah i you know it, it's tough for me to say where i think what i think the u.s should do um, just because you know we like like we do we we talk the talk um and you know, I'm, I, w- I would personally be happy to see um, more uh, response from the U.S. Um, I'm not talking boots on the ground, you know, uh, but just more, I guess, lateral support and other things like that. Um, yeah. But I guess the question then becomes, and we've touched on this before. Well, should we? Like, what degree do we then become involved? Um, I mean, and, and not to sound isolationist, because that's not the way to do it, but. There's something to be said for, I guess, uh, uh, increasingly minding your own business. Yeah, mind mind it. Everyone has a business that needs to get minded. Um, and that's the thing, right? Like, this is the issue with our involvement in anything. We have de facto and have said it many times that we are defenders of democracy and that we will basically police the shit out of everything. And so we have put ourselves in situations where we're over here backing this ally and that ally and now there's a lot of things happening at the same time you know afghanistan we finally just left in, in august like it hasn't even been a full year it was a disaster a disaster yeah. and the it, will the political will to want to go back and put boots somewhere else that we shouldn't be right now is nuts because this issue is and i i'm gonna sound like i'm all over here saying like let this happen because I, I don't believe that we should let it happen but why is it up to us and this is I say this like this 
because we are the world superpower in the world police, we have found ourselves in precarious situations where now we have to, like you said, we're talking the talk, but like now we gotta walk it. We're over here saying we'll defend this and that, and now this is happening, and what are we best to do about it? But I also personally mm-hmm. think, like, Mark, I'm keeping the buck. Like, I don't think. Oh, this is not going to go over well. You might as well just overstate. it. I don't think we should, yo, fam. Like, we shouldn't even be in. We shouldn't even be in the conversation when it comes to this shit. Mm-hmm. But we have put ourselves in a situation over the last what, at least two, especially the last two decades since 9/11 has happened, to really be that world police in your ass at all times and it's pissed people off like the world is tired mm-hmm. of our interference and i'll add that you know the war police kind of, of mentality it worked post-world war ii well we're far away from that now yeah um, man too, too many weapons too many people out here with too many capabilities and, like it's and, over for that so it's one thing for us to be uh, a superpower that you know we we express and show our interest in certain conflicts and regions but it's another one to to act like we're the i guess quote the the old beacon of light on the hill or whatever right. however that saying goes right um it's yeah it's like i said it's it gets very muddy uh the more recent you go in our politics it's like, trash out here and we are personally rotting from the inside out here in the united states like i don't know if we even have the bandwidth or political will to even want to deal with this and, and I'll just add here that, you know, people like Putin, right? They're not blind to that. They, they see what's happening. Oh, the world sees it. Let's... The world sees it. That's the crazy part about these times, technology. Everyone sees everything that's happening in these countries. They see countries on the verge of destruction. They see, we see everything. Like, it is not, we're not in a good space as a country, domestically or internationally. Um, our overreach has been our downfall. I mean, the amount of lives that were lost in Iraq and Afghanistan over the years is nuts over something where it's like we didn't really have to go keep be there like afghanistan made a little more sense but even for the the amount of time granted i'm not a military strategist by any means so i'm not going to sit here and say that it would have been as easy as just leaving after uh the obama administration killed osama because i mean that was like 10 years before we actually left so it's almost like well what Mm -hmm. do you need to be there for an extra time but again I'm not a military strategist, and I think at the time it was the Dan if we do, Dan if we don't. We just delayed it for about ten more years. Exactly. Yep. That's yep. what it was. We, we were about to leave. It was about to be fucked up. We did, regardless, because um, it was just fucked up when we got there. Same thing with Iraq. We're like, okay, we'll have fun with all these warlords. Bye. Like, it's you know, it's like <laughs> the the lack of strategic thinking on our end is why we are in situations right now where people are looking at us like, well, what are y'all about to do? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't lean on the allies more. We didn't actually. I don't even know if lean is the best word, but we didn't hold them more up to what they're supposed to. It's like, hey, you're our allies and you're in Europe already, bro. Like, why are we? Why is everyone looking to us? Like, you, hey, 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 Britain. Mm-hmm. Hey. So, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, I think now we can, you know, like, so some of the onus then, if if we're, I guess, kind of declining from where we were. The owner should be on some of our allies to, uh, I guess, step up a little bit more. And we've depleted ourselves over the last twenty years with a lot of mm-hmm. like being everywhere like this. Like it's been a lot. We've been building up our military at the cost of kind of a lot of other things. And you know, mm-hmm. we did not do very well with our allies during you know the Trump administration. He basically was telling these people to go fuck themselves. <laughs> he was like, I mean, he was over here cozying up to Putin. She's po- he cozied up to the very people who are our headache right now. Isn't that some shit? 
Uh, yeah, but uh... so I digress. I digress. <laughs> We're not going to get political on here. We don't need to really, because the Putin issue has spanned many administrations, Republican, Democrat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, this is just an issue. Um, but yeah, and, and if I can add a thing, not not directly related, but you know, I think with uh, Putin and his current incursion into Ukraine, right? There are, if you think about it, there are echoes of uh, when Hitler annexed the Sudetenland in 1938. Oh, 100. So. You know, it, it's concerning what may come after complete Russian I mean, takeover. We did of, hear like, that they're they're on Polish they're on Poland's uh, like border. Oh yeah, like but, they're over here, like, kind of like they're over here, like who's next? A little bit. I'm like, yeah. So um, you know, I I was just thinking, you know, it's it's what comes after a Russian takeover of like of of the regions of like Donetsk and Luhansk and some other locales and. Mm. You know, just today, uh, I don't know if you heard this, but Putin asked the Ukrainian army to remove yes. leadership from Kiev. Yes. Um, so, I, you know, it makes me hope that, uh, you know, Ukraine does get back from the EU and other European allies and, and the U.S., even if in a small capacity, a lot sooner than later. I mean, but do you think that, do you think it's going to happen? I, like, we know that's what should happen, but mm-hmm. do you think that is going to happen? How about we say, what if it's wishful thinking? Oh um, my god, we're fucked. I mean, I I hate going down that road because I know, but we're being we are realistic. We know what it is. Like, there's a lot of battle fatigue over here. Like, we just like got people away from fighting actively somewhere, and mm-hmm. Russia literally looked us in the eyes through that camera and said, "Fuck around if you want to." Like straight up, just looked right at us. Like, try to intervene. See what happens. He's like, come outside. He basically said, come outside to us. And so the thing about all this is that Putin has been pining for this moment, as you alluded to. Like, he's been pining for this moment for a long time. Oh, he's loving um, it. He's relishing in this so much. He's He sees the world as freaking out, and he's like, dance. Dan- I mean, this man, Blatty Daddy, okay? He's not and, playing. Hey, and once he got the end with the, uh, you know, the last election, he was like, yeah, there we go. Uh, let's let's get this started. You know? He's like, I've already made sure that this particular president is like, like, he basically probably like really revved up his preparations during the last four years because we, he wasn't seen as a threat by us because of our president. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though the intelligence uh, community said otherwise, but there wasn't a lot of focus on bothering with him as much and so he's yeah. been able to fly under the radar the last four years and and get more you know get ready for for this because i mean ukraine yeah i feel like this we can't do an appeasement situation here we kind of just like let it see what happens but it's like yeah. europe this is in your back door well, this is my opinion hey europe hi um you guys need to like do something about this. Like this is your landmass that this is happening mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and it's oh. irritating that because we have allowed ourselves to be the person taking on the most burden or doing things unilaterally, everyone's just assuming that we're just going to swoop in and do it. And it's like I, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be the ones doing it. Like I, I hate to say it, but like Europe, like what is what is happening? We should be the people that you call in when y'all can't do it. It, well, so that's another thing. Some of the bigger powers here, like uh, France and I'll, I'll just point out Germany, uh, they've been at times softer, a lot softer on like Russian action than they 
Well, been. like you said, though, it's like they're dependent on natural gas from, 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 it, from Russia. And it, yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, it's, is it just another case of economics will win this? It definitely anything. is. Economics interests interests will always interest, trump yes. morality sometimes, and we're seeing it. Like we have no real interest, and in, there's nothing for us in this in this game of going to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot for us if China and Taiwan goes down, though. That's different. It's a lot and, different. And yeah, I, you can bet, I, I think our response, or if we can't learn from this, then yeah, our response when that happens, I think we'll be right there. Because think about it, we, our allies basically are circling China in a way, right? You got like mm-hmm. Japan and Taiwan, like we kind of have made it so that Taiwan or China is kind of surrounded by like pro-democracy type places. So losing Taiwan would be devastating for us. Devastating. Mm-hmm. And it would give China more clout and legitimacy over all the different like seas, like the South China Sea and like all the other stuff. Like it's, it's like that unfortunately is more of a asset for us to defend than the Ukraine. And I hate saying that because the people mm-hmm. who are losing, the people who are losing are the people of Ukraine. Like Damn, 18 to 60? Like, you you're, you you can't leave as a man? You can't leave? Like, you guys are doing your draft now? Mm-hmm. Your and draft I, is happening now? Like, what is this? Like, and then people have to leave their brothers or their, their husbands. Or, I mean, it's it's nasty. The refugee situation is about to be crazy. Yes, yes. And I, I, I can't imagine having to evacuate, you know, the day before when I'm, you know, out at a bar with my friends. Yeah, enjoying, like, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, boof. It's like, what? And, and you know you've heard murmurings this might happen but you never think it's gonna happen but like but i don't i mean yeah but like they already did it once well, true yeah like in the past eight, it's not even a decade since they took crimea that's the part where like like we were not surprised like when we saw like oh makes sense they mm-hmm. they did this already they've annexed land like and they're gonna keep going for the rest of it because yeah because what is what is the ukraine border Ooh, uh, I want to say Belarus is one of them, but I don't know if that's correct. I know. I'm so terrible. We're over here. I'm saying we're I should know. This. I should I'm know. over here saying we're international affairs professional. We don't know the borders. Eastern Europe is a little weird, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think Belarus. And, Shout uh, out to Eastern Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, actually, uh, if it's not, well, Poland, obviously, but uh, like, oh, you have Moldova, and yeah, Belarus is one of them. So I was oh, very said, Yeah. Um, are any? No, I guess the thing I need. I guess I should have probably researched it before we start the episode. It's like, are there any other kind of like countries around there that kind of have pro-Russian like sentiments and like things? Wow, I just mentioned Belarus. That's absolutely one of them. Oh fuck. Well, <laughs> and I, you know, as far as like Lithuania, um, uh, Slovakia, I, who knows? I, and then, I, I and then know. you have the other argument of. We kind of probably already know this, but like, why aren't these countries, why aren't their armies ready, knowing that Russia is like this, right? Like, there's another thing, like, well, and I, I, granted, like, I know there's, I'm sounding ignorant, but like, I know there's a reason why, but it's almost like that's the kind of argument people bring up, like, why can they defend themselves? And that, 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 like, you know, and like, I mean, can, maybe you can speak to that. Well, I, so simply put, some of these, I, I don't want to say poorer, but yeah, some of these, uh, <laughs> Yeah, less, de- uh, less developed. Yes, less developed uh, Eastern European countries, these former bloc countries, they don't have. That's it, that's that's it. They don't have the the resources. They they don't have the funds. And, and think about it. Russia is like the military power 
um, in, on that side of the world. Yeah. You know? So, it, I, I don't know. There's not much they can do. Even it's like, almost to... like it's futile. It's like, what the fuck are you going to do against the fucking Red exactly. Army here? <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's it. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know, Mark. I mean, I mean, it'll be interesting, you know, by the time we finish this and I put it up, more things might have happened, but I think we did a pretty good job with kind of just breaking down, like, kind of the history of these particular situations and kind of why this is coming to be and why people are looking to us to call on Mm -hmm. to do things not to do things. And so, I mean, the next coming days is about to be very crucial. I feel like you could probably do a couple more episodes on the the evolving events in Ukraine. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. For folks who are listening, um, we're definitely going to keep talking about this because this isn't going to be done quickly. Um, But, you know, in saying all this, what we covered, I I feel like we should end on somewhat of a positive note. So here here goes my take. Um, Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you heard about the story yesterday of the 13 Ukrainian soldiers who were killed on what was called Snake Island. It's in, oh. it's in the Black Sea. Uh, they were defending against Russian sea and air attacks. But apparently, you know, when they were captured, or I don't know how it went down, but they told an, a Russian officer on board a Navy ship to, quote, go fuck yourself. Yes. So, so Ukrainians, you know, they have backbone. They have. They drift. do. They're, they're, they're like, we, the Ukrainians ain't, no, they are not playing games. They're like, we'll fucking defend to the death, like, fuck mm-hmm. out of here. It's that mm-hmm. type of, it's that type of grit that I feel like is a little bit exactly no they they have grit and they have the determination to want to be I I, well and why shouldn't they and so absolutely I I, you know I wish them the best and um, you know they're not going to go down without a fight they're not going to go down without a fight like they I mean this isn't their first rodeo dealing with this with this type of shit so I mean definitely prayers to the people of Ukraine and you know the folks that are you know just family you know people who have family out there I know you have a friend who has family out there um, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a rough time but yeah like I said Ukrainians they, the mama didn't raise no bitch when it came to the Ukrainians like they'll, they'll come at you like even if it's just one of them mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. don't care they'll stand their ten toes down for sure like um, oh yeah so all right everyone uh i hope you guys enjoyed the episode um if you were listening this on apple or spotify please rate uh and subscribe and all the things that people say at the end of the podcast and mark thank you so much for joining me um and like you said we'll i'm sure we'll have more episodes on this like because this is hot 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 absolutely and thanks again for for having me it's been fun All right, y'all. I'll see y'all soon. A good bit.